Over the last few weeks, are we ready for the message this morning? Great. I I just want to show you cool photos because it was fun. Over the last few weeks, over the last few weeks, we've been talking out of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Beck, you could feel to put that scripture up whenever you want it. And um, Phil, stop being sarcastic and smart aleck to the people who are at the back who are doing a beautiful job. You could see Beck trying to hobble over to get to the next button, you know. Just kidding, Beck. I'm really glad she doesn't type nasty messages up while I'm there. Hey, that's kind of good. Can we put the timer on so that everyone knows what time I'll be finishing? And, um, and that, that'd be great. And we're going to put... There you go. Oh, I've got 30 whole minutes. As time starts now, we're going to say I've already wasted 10 of those, so we're going to make it 20-minute message. When that gets to 10, I'll be done. Is everybody ready? So we spoke over the last few weeks, John 3.16, God so loved the world, and we unpacked three different major points. Number one, God so loved that he gave, not moved or motivated by love, by guilt or obligation, but by love. Such an incredible foundational point. You must get it. If you haven't already seen it, thank you, Dan, for the podcast uploading each week. Please get your QR code out and go and watch the podcast. Moving on. Week two, we talked about the fact that if you want to receive the gift, you have to come to God empty-handed. You can't come to God carrying all your baggage because God goes, there's a gift, and you're like, I don't know what to do with it. I can't unwrap it. I can't experience it. I can't enjoy it. So we talked about the fact that you've got to empty yourself of yourself and come to God and say, God, I need what you've got. I need that gift in my life. And then week three, we said that gift is found. It's available even in the pit. And I'm going to unpack that a little. Even in the pit, even in the midst of your problems, I love the fact that Sam talked about the fact that Jesus came down into the pit, into the muck, into the mire, into the depths of humanity's despair to show us a way that we can connect again with God. That's why he came. He came to make a way where there was no other way. He came to make it possible for us to connect and reconcile with our relationship with God. And that was the heartbeat of the cross. That was the heartbeat of the Father coming in the flesh to love on humanity. And we said, even in the middle of your pit, In the midst of your darkest hour, there is still peace to be found. And it's that peace this morning that I want to talk about. We're going to unpack it. We're going to unpack it this week and next week. You don't want to miss Christmas, but we are unpacking a bit more. But this week, I want to talk to you about peace. And I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts, a couple of things to wrestle with over the week, I hope. First thing I'm going to tell you is a story. The story goes like this. Years ago, all good stories have to start once upon a time. So once upon a time, there was a farmer who owned a large plot of land along the Atlantic sea coast. He constantly advertised for hired hands to come and work on the land with him. The problem was the Atlantic seacoast is known for terrible, horrible, horrific storms. And so not many people would want to go and say, yes, please, let me be a hired hand on this large plot of land. Finally, one day, this old man turns up and he knocks on the farmer's door in in answering the ad and he says, I will work on your land. And the the farmer looks at the old man. He says, "Are, are you any good? He says, I'm all right. He says, do you have anything to bring? He says, one thing that's for certain. I don't get up when the wind howls. The farmer thought, well, that's a weird thing to say, but all right, off you go. So over the next few weeks, this man got up from dawn till dusk and he worked and he worked hard. And one night, the farmer's laying in bed when he hears the wind begin to increase. And he hears the rain begin to belt on the tin roof and he hears the howl of the storm thundering towards him. And he quickly jumps out of bed and he grabs his torch and he rushes in to the old man in the next room who's fast asleep. And he wakes him up. He says to him, listen, we got to get up. There's a storm coming. We got to get up. He's all panicked and flustered. He said, we got to get up. There's a storm coming. And the old man looks over at him, rolls over half asleep. He says, I told you, 
I don't get up when the storm and the winds come. He rolled back over and went to sleep. Well, the old man, the farmer walks out, he's filthy. He's like, I should have sacked him on the spot. I tell you what, when he gets up tomorrow and he's running outside with his torch and he's looking at all the hay bales and he's trying to tie them all down. And as he gets out there, he realises that every hay bale, every stack of hay is firmly fastened down. And all of a sudden he realises that that's why the old man didn't need to wake up. Because he had prepared. Because he'd done what needed to happen first. So when the storms, of, when the storms come, He's not stressed, he's not flustered, he's not frustrated. The storms can come and the storms can go and this man lays in peace. You know, I thought, what a great story. What a great story as we move into, into the new year and we could talk about what it means to be prepared. What does it mean to prepare your heart? What does it mean to prepare your life in the new year? And I was thinking about that. I thought, this is going to be such a good message, really excited about it all. And then I felt that tap, you know, that, that, that gentle tap, the still small voice as God begins to whisper. And he says, is that what you're counting on for your peace to come? Are you hoping that you have all your hay bales tied down? Is that, can we ask a question this morning? What, what, what does it mean to be prepared? How much preparation do you need to have prepared to be prepared? How many hay bales do you need to have tied down before you can go, I can sleep at night? How much do you need to have done before you finally have peace. And I'm just going to take that minute and ask that question again. How much do you need to have done before you can have peace? I want you to think about it in your own life. How much do you need to have done before you give yourself permission to have peace? Is it when all the hay bales and haystacks are tied down? Is that it for you? If you're a farmer in here, maybe it is. I doubt it. So what do you need to do? Is it when your bank account hits a certain level? If my bank account just had 10,000, then I'd have peace. I could sleep at night. I heard a man talking to this board one time and he said, listen, if you can get $10,000 in your bank account, then you will never have a stressful board meeting. I thought that's good advice. We decided to increase that and keep working on that. So we always have a buffer zone and we have good stewardship in the house. But can I say my peace doesn't come from having a great board and good stewardship? Well, what does your peace come from? Maybe your peace comes from, you know what, if I just had, oh, look at this, my, my daughter and her boyfriend are on the front row. Maybe your peace comes from if I just find the right boy, then I'll have peace. I, my daughter's really regretting sitting on the front now. I'll move over. Maybe it's, you know, if I just found the right girl, then I'd have peace. If I just got the right car, where's my friend Dave with his clutch that's gone? If I just got a good car, then I could have peace. If I just got a good job, then I could have peace. If I just got a great spouse, then I could have peace. If I just got a good house, if I just had a house that was okay, then I could have peace. If I just had a great ATAR score, you know, if I could get an ATAR score so I could get into university of choice, then I could have, if I could get into university then, then when I get into university, then I'll have peace. If I could get a job, if I, you know, uni's finished and now I need a job, God, give me a job. If I got a job, then I could have peace. If I got a promotion from the job that I got that I prayed for when I got the ATAR score and into university, if I finally got the job that I want and then got the promotion, then I could have peace. Where do you find your peace? What do you need? Think of, just take a minute. What do you need before you go, ah, oh, I can sleep at night. Ah, oh, I've, I've got peace 
I've got the right spouse and the right house and the right car and the right amount of cash and I've got the superannuation. Maybe you're in retirement, you're looking forward and you're like, maybe you've already retired and you're looking at your nest egg dwindling and you're thinking, oh man, how do I? and all the stresses and all the pressures and all the frustrations. And it doesn't matter whether you're two or 20 or 80 or 100, there's always these pressures, these external pressures that come upon our life that try and vie to steal our peace. How many hay bales do you need to tie down before you finally go, I've got peace? Be a great place for an alt call, wouldn't it? Some of you have spent your entire life tying down hay bales and still have no peace. Some of you, but just, sorry, Graham and Yvonne, why are you over there? You know that's where you sit. Don't go shifting around on me. I can't figure out anymore. I'm just kidding. <laughs> there you go. There's a side note. Wait. <laughs> Focus. Everyone, come on. ADHD working overtime today. Somebody shouldn't have had four coffees this morning. How many hay bales do you need to tie down before you have peace? Sons and daughters that are wayward and estranged. They just came back, then I could have peace. Money in the bank, if I just had more, if I just had a job, if I just had a car, if I just had a house. Are you following me this morning? Some of you have spent an entire lifetime tying down. And if you haven't tried to do it like that, you know what you do? You go, the pain is too much. The cost is too high. I'll just resort to drinking and drugs instead so that I can find peace in the bottom of a bottle. I can find peace in the bottom of a bong. I can find, that was a weird word to say from a pulpit, wasn't it? But moving on. (laughs) But isn't that the truth? Take a minute. If you don't feel like you can achieve peace and you can get peace and you can't work hard enough to get it, what do you do? You resort to other things because all of humanity is searching for peace. I feel like that's a message Jesus has for us this morning. I feel like that in this country, we have all of these external parameters that we need to achieve before we can have peace. We need to have all these external, all our hay bales, all our ducks in a row. And then finally, maybe if we have all of that, we can have peace. But how many people know that peace is never going to work? There's always going to be a hay bale you didn't tie down, isn't there? There's always going to be a bill you didn't expect. There's always going to be the death of a loved one you weren't expecting. There's always going to be a problem you didn't imagine was going to come your way. There's always going to be a loose hay bale floating around. And if it's the hay bales of life that are going to steal your peace, you're always going to be longing and looking for peace that never comes through external circumstances and situations. You know, we're not the first people to wrestle with this, by the way. You get that, right? Like this is as old as time itself. You remember Cain and Abel? And they go and they offer their gods and God accepts one and he despises the other one. And so Cain's like, you know what? I just don't have peace and I don't know what to do to get peace. And he comes up with this great solution. I'll just kill Abel, then I'd have it. It's a weird idea. But isn't that what we do to each other? When we haven't got the peace that we want, don't we find somebody else and just destroy them instead? We take our eyes off what we're struggling with and we find and fix their problems instead. How many people know someone like that? How many people are married to someone like that? Sorry, moving on. See, I believe Jesus wants to set us free from that exact trap. I think the humanity is stuck in that cycle of trying to find peace by having its hay bales 
tied down. And Jesus says to his disciples, and I love this, in John 14, 27. The chapter of John 14 opens with this. Chapter, verse 1 of John 14, just throw them back out for a minute. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He's about to be taken away from the world, away from the visual sight of his disciples. And he's trying to lay a foundation in here for their lives. He's trying to teach them something that they need to get hold of. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. You believe in God, that's good, now believe in me. What I have came from God. And he goes down to verse 27 and he says, peace I leave with you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I feel like Jesus has the same message for you today. It's timeless. I feel like Jesus says to you today, peace I want to give to you today. I want to come and give you something. I want to give you peace. And we often say in JC, if a verse is worth reading, it's worth reading slowly. It's worth slowing it down, unpacking it, mulling it over, digesting it. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace. It's his peace. His peace. My peace I give to you. And he unpacks that a little further and he says, not as the world gives. The peace that I want to give to you isn't the same peace that the world has. And you think about that and mull it over for a little bit and we just unpacked it. We said the, the peace the world is looking for is so often found in preparation, if I just tie enough hay bales down. Or it's found sometimes in the absence of storms. You know, we go through those seasons in life where there is just no storm. We're we just kind of sailing along. It's just beautiful. It's plain sailing. That's a, another one of those euphemisms. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful day. It's just plain sailing. And everybody here goes through those times where it's just plain sailing. It's just so pretty. It's so gorgeous. And there's no problems and there's no issues. But can I tell you, your peace isn't defined by the absence of problems in your life. If your peace is defined by the absence of problems, then that's peace that circumstances and situations can give. If your peace is defined by the absence of problems, that's peace that the world can give. Can give. And if the world can give it, then the world can take it away. If the world defines your peace by the absence of problems, then when there's a problem, you have no peace. And I think Jesus is trying to break a cycle to his disciples when he says, listen, my peace I'm going to give you. Not as the world gives, give I to you. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. It sounds like when he says, let not your hearts be troubled, that he might be implying that there is a certain partnership you can make with his peace so you don't have to stress. 
You could focus on things that are good and things that are lovely and things that are above and not things that are beneath. You choose what you focus on. You choose what is going to trouble your heart. And he's trying to say to you today, I've got a gift for you. And we've been talking about this. I've got a gift for you. You've still got to come to receive it. You've still got to come empty handed to receive it. You can find it in the middle of your pit, but I've got a gift for you. And the gift that I've got for you is peace. And it's peace that's found even in the middle of a storm. It's not peace that's found in the absence of it. It's peace that's found in the middle of it. That's a peace I want. I don't want the peace the world gives me because the peace the world gives me means that they become my God. They can give it to me. They can take it away. I can have it one minute and lose it the next. But if I have the peace that Jesus gives me and he's the same yesterday, today and forever, then it can never be taken away. So now the question is, what the peace did Jesus have? Can we unpack that? We're going to look into... Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. And Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's telling them this story and then he gets into a boat with them and we're going to hear this. It says, now while he got into the boat, his disciples followed him and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea. Can we just take a minute? He gets into a boat, his disciples get into the boat, this is cool, and they're smooth sailing for a while, then suddenly a great tempest, a storm, arose on the sea. So the boat was covered with waves. What's the next three words? He was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, why are you so fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and he rebuked the winds and the seas and there was great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? (coughs) What a contrast of peace we see in this story. We see the peace that the people have and we see the peace that the Christ has. The peace that the people have, they get into the boat, it's all going well. They're crossing the water, it's all going well. But the minute a storm goes, so goes their peace. The peace that Christ has is no matter whether there's a storm or no storm, I've got peace because my trust and confidence isn't in the external but in the God who I serve. My relationship, my trust and my confidence isn't found in the external absence of storms but in my confidence with God. I don't know about you, but that's the peace I need. The peace that the disciples have is quickly eroded and quickly taken from them. The minute a storm comes, now can you picture yourself in that place for a minute? When we're here on a Sunday morning, right, we're good, aren't we? We live in this country. In this country, there's no threat of war at the moment. In this country, who turned on their tap this morning, got fresh water straight out of the tap. Put your hand up if that was you. Come on. And put your hand up if you use the bathroom this morning, just because that'll help me out this morning. That's like my next... And you push the button and everything went, didn't it? It's like just, boom, gone. We're not going to talk about that. We're moving on. (laughs) Put your hand up if you went to the pantry this morning. You could open the pantry and get food out. Or go to the fridge and get food out. So we live in a country where we have food and water and sanitary conditions, where we have no particular threat of war. There's no real danger. There's no major persecution. And yet in this Western culture, our suicide rate is incredibly high. 
Our youth are harming themselves. They're cutting themselves and killing themselves. Why? Because peace isn't defined by the absence of problems. And the peace that humanity desperately seeks, desperately needs, is not the absence of problems, but the peace that can come in the middle of a storm. That's the peace we need to take to the people. That's the gift that we get to give people this Christmas. We don't get to promise them the rainbows and unicorns and there's no more problems. No, no, no. No, the peace that my Savior offers me is in the middle of a storm. I can go to sleep. When the wind blows and the storm howls, I can rest securely because my peace isn't defined by my own ability to prepare and it's not defined by the absence of storms. My peace comes from he who gave me his peace. The middle of the storm. Can, can I give you another picture this morning? The disciples allowed the outside situations to determine their inward peace. Can you pick, you can get that, right? The disciples, and don't we do the same thing? We're all good while there's no problems, but the minute there's a problem, all of a sudden the external invades and affects our internal. We're all good because the girl likes us or the boy likes us or the spouse still loves us or they play happy families or we have cash in the bank. But the minute that changes, then our peace leaves. The picture I want to present to you this morning is a picture that Christ had. I love this. The picture that I felt Christ show me through the week was this. When they woke him up, what did he do? When they woke him up, Their external world had changed their internal world. But when they woke Jesus up, his internal world changed the external world. When we come to Christ, we often come because the pressures of the world are shaking our peace. But what we need to be as disciples, as followers of people who are becoming like Christ is not people who are quickly shaken by external invading the internal, but rather people that have the internal security and confidence. And no matter what storm we face, we stand there and we look at that storm and we can simply say, my internal will influence the external. That's a version of Christianity that I want to align myself with. I want to be a man who doesn't allow the external to change my internal, but rather allows the internal to change the external. Let the internal change the external. I'm not flustered and frustrated and flitting about here and there. Can, can I tell you, I'm human, by the way, and I have children who will tell you a different story, Okay. I'm not getting up here going, no, guys, I've made it. I've achieved it. And if you've achieved it, could you just fly around the room a few times and amaze us all? I'm trying to tell you that's the level that I want to go to. I'm trying to tell you that I want to spend time with my Christ until his peace invades my heart. I'm trying to say that no matter what storms I face, because storms will come, I want to be in such a place that when I'm woken up with the storms and the pressures, when sleep is trying to be taken from me, I want to wake up in such a place that my internal peace and confidence manifests outward to change the external. I'm just going to close with this. If that's you this morning, would you put your hand up right now? If that's you, if you're like, God, I want that peace in my life, 
God, I found myself over so many years allowing external to change my internal. But God, I want the peace that only you can give so that I can have that peace in me that changes my external world. If that's you, would you put your hand up? If you struggle with this, would you put your hand up? I want you to stand to your feet. We don't always do this, but I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to come to the front as quickly as you can. I want the music to start playing. I want you guys to come out the front because I think so often what we do is we don't cement this in. We don't go, God, I want this in my life. I want this in my life. And I'm going to take a step of faith and I'm going to come here this morning empty-handed. I'm going to come here and confess that so often I allow external to change my internal. But today I'm making a different decision. Today, I'm going to allow the internal to change my external. Today, I'm going to allow the peace that only Christ can give to change the entire world. Today, I'm going to be a vessel of peace wherever I walk. Today, I'm going to allow that anointing to come out of me and to change the world. No matter how big the storm is, I believe God has peace for you right where you are. Can we get the singers to begin to worship? Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We hope you enjoyed the service. We are praying for you and we will see you next week.